Before we start this podcast, we would like to take the opportunity to mention that we now have a Patreon page where you can help to support, evolve and continue these compassionate conversations. Please visit patreon.com slash voce dialogues for more information. Welcome everyone to the Voce Dialogues, Voices of Compassionate Evolution. I'm Chloe Goodchild, founder of The Naked Voice, and this is our new online community where we are exploring, deepening, and evolving our awareness of the transforming power of compassion. Enjoy these new dialogues with a wide range of artists, musicians, writers, and philosophers, social entrepreneurs, and sacred activists. They are all visionaries, transforming lives through the art of conscious creative expression with practices inspired by their own unique life experience. The Voce Dialogues are dedicated to the compassionate evolution of life on Earth. I am very honored to be with Alison Goldwyn, founder of the Synchronistry Project and many other very inspiring projects related to the use and practice of compassion in the world. Big welcome to you, Alison. A big hello to you <laughs> and to everybody who's listening and those who are not listening but are simply because they're existing. Oh, absolutely that. Well, here we are, and we're relatively new friends, but you feel like an incredibly old friend already. Resonance, perhaps? (laughs) Yes, you've got it. (laughs) Let's give a big naked welcome to Resonance. Well, that is a really great start. I love that. Absolutely. That's really what we're here for, is really to explore how we can really enter into resonance with life on all levels, isn't it, really? It, it is. It, that's, that's the name of the game, and that is the biggest, biggest challenge, it seems. It, yeah. <laughs> is the game, the fundamentals. And that is the ultimate challenge. And we are, we are having such a difficult time of pulling that one off, I think now more than ever. So yeah. it, it is an interesting time to be alive. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your work in the world, for your vision. And that's what we're going to be exploring and introducing everyone to. And so as I understand it, you conceived this idea of synchronicity. Is that right? Yes, making history in synchronicity, synchronicity, a new word for a new world. And you conceived this 32 years ago, I believe, as a New Yorker? Yeah, and that is, that is really the word conceived, because I feel like I have been in a perpetual, a 32-year birth contraction, <laughs> of which I would now very much like to birth baby, birth on earth, the birth contractions of which are accelerating and intensifying, not just for my vision, but for all of us. Yeah, 32 years ago, on the floor of a New York City living room with a map of the world, it was a a summer night, a hot summer night with David Bowie's um, 
dancing in the streets, I think, playing on the stereo. My, my dog and my cat were making mad loops around the living room floor. Uh, the cat was riding, jumping onto the dog's back, sort of like a circus act run amok. <laughs> we were doing this for minutes on end and seemed to have a need to do it on the very map that I was sitting in front of. Uh, so there were skid marks all over the map by the time this episode finished. <laughs> the dog was so freaked out, out of breath, and actually excited that he slid into the Marianas Trench and began to pee. The pee went deep into my <laughs> living room floor. But I was not mesmerized by the pee. <laughs> I was mesmerized by the world, the continents, the shapes, the shapes of the continents, and then the cities, the shapes of the cities and the countries. And then I started to imagine there are people living in these shapes, all these billions of intimate strangers, sort of in the ultimate sci-fi, and I mean that in a psychological sense, sci-fi, the ultimate sci-fi comedy uh, <laughs> that one could ever imagine. And what was this? What did this really mean? What did it all add up to? And furthermore, what would it be like if we could all connect for one global moment in time around the idea of who on earth are we and why in heaven are we here? I mean, this is a question, existential question of the times, and I think every one of us has pondered it privately or publicly at one time or another. That's so great. And, and the whole question of who are we, who am I, has been central for me also, uh, you know, in this whole question of how can I access who I truly am, you know, beneath the illusory artificiality of, of the personality voice, you know, how can I find the authentic voice of who I am? And how can that really be instrumental in birthing, as you say, what it means to be a human being on earth? Mm, exactly, exactly. Mm. You, first of all, I love what you're doing and the voice, uh, which is the naked voice, which is literal and metaphoric and mystical and imperative. Because mm. in this world of chaos, gone chaos in a sense, I could say, what you call instrumental, the true voice of each individual, mm. has become a cacophony. Mm. And it needs to return to a symphony. And the thing about a symphony is that it's a harmony of individual notes, individual mm. instruments, unique sounds, unique tones, unique chords and through lines, etc., etc. And this brings us to a very pivotal question. I think we're in a global identity crisis akin to World War We, mm -hmm. And I think that this world of tech connect and disconnect fusion and confusion mm -hmm. is prompting this crisis 
that seems to have straitjacketed us in a mistaken identity of either or, and we are so much more. We are and, but we have not had role models or uh, societal constructs over the millennia that support mm-hmm. this. Whether we like it or not, the climate, the nature and human nature are at truly at odds with one another, and we don't even have the luxury of playing the old game paradigm anymore. We don't have that luxury. I absolutely love what you're flagging up as in terms of us really getting real about the fact that the crisis is really an emotional one, Mm. you know, every bit as much as an environmental one. Yes. And I call it environmental (laughs) crisis. Climate change is vital. Mm. changing the emotional climate is essential. And this is a kind of branding. Uh, Synchron History is an affiliated partner with uh, Al Gore and the Climate Reality Project, among two other uh, wonderful associations that I'll mention to you shortly. And Al's missive, which is really all of our missives, is about climate change. But more than that, our companion messaging with Synchron History is that Changing the emotional climate is the root of virtually all our global ills. Because if we understood and conducted ourselves with as much care towards self as we would project towards other and vice versa, I don't believe that we would be seeing the myriad problems that are all surfacing now in a kind of ultimate crescendo that just can't be denied anymore. I would love to hear a little bit about how you evolved into who you are now, how this understanding has evolved. What influences have been there in your life that have contributed and and inspired your vision and your mission? I want to thank you for your insightful questions too, and very thoughtful questions, because it's good if I don't always have a soundbite or a pat answer. (laughs) Let me put it this way. I always felt out of step with the world, which may or may not be a reflection of feeling out of step with my very tender young self. I came from a very a very good family in terms of loving people, well-intended, and, and a comfortable lifestyle, a comfortable upbringing. My mother was artistic. She was a painter, an artist. Uh, and my father was kind of a Renaissance man, literally. He, had, he opened a health spa in the Bahamas many, many years ago before it was in vogue, the whole new age culture and so forth, called Renaissance Revitalization Center. And I was marked by my father in terms of a very profound spiritual trajectory and my mother in terms of a very strong psychological, in fact, and artistic trajectory. And the melding of these two is what I have merged into, but my father, when I was about 10, 11 years old, I was exposed to what is known as A Course in Miracles, this very intellectual and quite profound body of literature that was written by Helen Shookman. Uh, she mm-hmm. was a psychologist in New York City, very well esteemed. And I'm not going to go through the whole story for those who are interested in what this book is. It's, it's quite powerful and not for everybody. But my father knew Helen. He knew all of the people, Helen and Judy and Bill Thetford and, uh, and Ken Wapnick, the four key core team that brought this 
very rich and, as I say, complex body of material into being. Mm. But its fundamental truth was about the, the wisdom of the ancients, essentially, that mm. ultimately and truly there is only love. Mm. I fought this, I battled this, and I still question it because I'm always saying, who says so? And why? And just because Buddha said that and Moses and Muhammad and Confucius, <laughs> who said that's true? <laughs> just because they said so. <laughs> and I battled with my father over this and years went by and I rejected a lot of what we would come to know as spiritual doctrine or spiritual thought, which in mm. fact may have been very healthy for me because it, it forced me to carve out, flesh out, and pollinate, so to speak, my own truth, mm. which circuitously comes back to certain of these very rich seeds that the, the ancients indeed know, that we are all ultimately one, and mm. we are ultimately all connected, a cosmic pulse mm. uh, that is never-ending and eternal. However, in my development... I will say two things about that. One is, and I'll come back to this shortly, the need for, for the voice of individuality within the context of unity and community. Mm. Before I go to that, I will, I will add this. As I grew up and had this comfortable lifestyle where I wasn't challenged very much, I always felt that I was born on the wrong side of the Atlantic. And I did subsequently move from New York to Europe, prompted by no lover waiting for me on the other side of the ocean, no job, no family, no friends. Hmm. Just an inner prompting that hmm. wanted me to connect with me, my hmm. naked voice, hmm. which somehow was easier for me to hear and voice on the other side of the pond. That's so interesting. Wow. I believe that as much as there is such a thing as soul mates, there are soul places, regions in the world, even mm -hmm. if it's just on the block uh, next door, mm -hmm. that somehow resonate, call us, speak to us, inspire mm -hmm. us. Mm. And that's what happened for me. And subsequent to that move, I was involved in a 14-year, very, very challenging personal relationship with somebody that I'm going to call my spiritual classroom. And it was through this, what people call a dark night of the soul, which was by my own choosing, I went into the trenches. It was truly treacherous at times, but... I made a choice while I was sort of in the magnetic pull of this relationship to alchemically work it and try yeah. to pay such attention, be so mindful about myself and the person and the dynamics between us that I perhaps could glean some kernels, some really vibrant, rich kernels that would grow me from the insight out. Insight. I-N-S-I-G-H-T. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And that is what really helped me to start flowering. And mm -hmm. I, I 
did have uh, two people that were also in my life that I could speak with on deep, significant levels to help me transition through this very treacherous water. Incredible. It's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it, how all of us, in order to really understand what compassion can possibly mean and how we can possibly live it, I suppose literally the meaning is, is to suffer with. But actually when you start starting to investigate what it is and how to apply it and, and how friends, inspiring visionaries in the world, whoever they are, can mirror back to us an understanding of compassion. Unless we have these earth school challenging life experiences it's really out of those that the alchemy of our true purpose and mission on earth can be born and realized indeed chloe Mm -hmm. you you've nailed it as you've all also indicated with your stunning work well as you were saying earlier you know we've so straight jacketed the, the way that we feel who we're meant to be how we're supposed to express ourselves that we've we've really compartmentalized even the whole spectrum of melancholia and all the whole rich music of our emotions have been so kind of boxed into stigmatized definitions like depression mental health issues schizophrenia you know i mean all these different stigmatized states if you like that have prevented us from realizing the beauty and the, and and we started out with the resonance that exists within these emotional states, which once we start befriending them, compassionately engaging with them, first of all, as you say, within ourselves, uh, in order that we can then share that experience with others, we start to realize, my God, you know, depression isn't some resented state to be in it. You find a longing in there, you know, like a longing for something you cannot name, for example. Yes. You know, and in that longing, you unpack that longing and then you start to hear the musicality of the soul singing for something that cannot be found anywhere but inside oneself primarily. And I'm aware that music has been a really important outcome of your more recent mission and projects, the initiatives that you're bringing forward on the planet, which are really exciting. Oh, Chloe, thank you. Mm. And indeed, music is truly mm. the driving energetic of my soul. Mm. I, I was born. I, that really was what motivated me and moved me. And I believe it is the fabric of the human existence of all life on earth, uh, uh, notes and tones. And what you're doing, the work that you're doing is so mm. It's so very important because it does release the bondage. The depression is a kind of, I'm not, I'm not a clinical anything, mind you, but it seems that it is the suppression of the voice. Mm-hmm. And when the voice is suppressed for so long, too mm-hmm. long, it becomes a, a depression, mm-hmm. a submerging of everything that one is individually and collectively, which is why I believe we're seeing this play out fueled by a wonderful platform called social media and mm. this will played out now on the world stage a absolutely emotional climate a depressed emotional climate 
And just to address synchronicity and this music-driven global birthday party for humanity, yes, which is every being, Saint, I hope, is designed as a compassionate mirror. Because I, I am not a parent. I don't have children per se. But what I understand of the parenting model is that there's mirroring involved from animals uh, we see with chimpanzees and apes and or primates and, and certainly with the human species. We, at a very tender age, we mimic. And that is a sincere form of flattery and I suppose survival. Mm-hmm. So if we have not had any truly captivating and awe-inspiring global image, mirroring image, to inspire us and uh, ignite us in the best sense, other than tweets from various leaders of nations in various parts of the world, I would say that we are in dire need of nurturing. In the light of which, do tell us some more now about your wonderful project. Well, okay, synchronous history. There are a lot of alliterations that I I make and wordplay that I use. But synchronicity, as I said earlier, is a new word for a new world, making history in synchronicity. The notion that is prevalent and growing right now on the planet and has been accelerated in the last few years since the 32 years ago when we first began with sync is this notion of globalism versus nationalism individuality versus community and this notion that we are again being straightjacketed into a choice of either or can function no more mm-hmm. because we are so much more mm-hmm. we are and mm-hmm. and so in a three hour or thereabouts olympics Opening ceremonies multiplied by everyone. <laughs> Synchronistory, that just to give the flavor, mm. it's sort of like a, an extravaganza a celebration of our cultural identities and our individualities within those cultures and our commonalities within those continental cousins. And all of this fused together in a kick ass party for the planet with original indigenous music, costumes, cultural costumes. It's, I can't explain it any more than that right now because it's never been done before. But Mm. if you imagine a kind of Cirque du Soleil meets Fashion Week, meets the history books, meets your wildest dreams, (laughs) (laughs) that is a little flavor of what synchronicity is. And the idea is to do this live global party for the planet from a major venue on each of the seven continents and to do a global, uh, a live global broadcast. We have the programming content already, uh, which of course is going to metamorphose uh, several times over as things develop in the mm-hmm. pre-production phase right on out. And uh, at this point, uh, we very much would like to connect with celebrities or leaders of nations and corporations who are fed up 
and understand that we've got precious little time left to change the paradigm before it permanently changes us or perhaps even writes us an act three that none of us uh, would like to see. Oh, fantastic. And as I understand it, SYNC or SYNC industry is, is affiliated with Al Gore. You were mentioning the Climate Reality Project, yes. John, John Bunzel's global governance platform, Simple. which Simple.org, S-I-M-P-O-L.org. Well, let me, let me just interject one mm-hmm. important thing. Uh, and we're also uh, affiliated with uh, two-time Nobel nominee, Professor Irvin Laszlo, the Club of Budapest and the Laszlo Institute of new paradigm research. We write for Ariana Huffington, uh, Thrive Global. She's a SYNC supporter as well. Synchronistry is the global party. But like any good host or hostess knows, a great party is only as good as its guest list, and this planet is a mess. Mm -hmm. So to prime the planet for apolitical party time, we did affiliate with uh, John Bunzel's stunning and visionary global governance platform, Simple, Mm -hmm. uh, UK-based Simple. And it is so timely and necessary for people to know that the vote can and needs to transcend even its traditional models. Because honestly, Chloe, democracy Mm. is idealistic and desperately needed as it is, is only Mm. as sound Mm, as yeah. the sanity of its constituency. Yeah, yeah, And absolutely. because we, through a good number of generations, have systematically squelched the voice of a significant mm-hmm. part of society, a middle class that is ever fractured, ever frustrated, and ever growing in their mm-hmm. shrinking voice, mm-hmm. we now mm-hmm. have to find a means of electing voices of change that Mm -hmm. get it. And again, Mm -hmm. from the insight out, insights, Mm -hmm. not from the insight, like inciting violence. Mm -hmm. Big difference. Big messaging also of a friend of mine, not a close friend, I don't know her well, but I've known her for several years, Marianne Williamson, who regardless of the outcome of her uh, much publicized now um, debate, the Democratic debate recently, she is putting a very significant naked voice, Mm -hmm. quote you, onto the political and global arena. And Mm -hmm. I don't believe that she would have even reached the point that she did on that uh, global stage had it not been for the fact that fissures are cracking absolutely well said and it, it is it's, it's it's a time of extraordinary dissolution and collisions with old paradigm meets new paradigm but the new paradigm really is arising now isn't it it's just an inevitability isn't it that this will happen Chloe let me let me say I don't even know if it's an inevitability and I'll be perfectly honest and mm. maybe a little even sobering mm-hmm. in so far as I have a great sense of hope for the possibility of the future. But the reality is, I don't know. I don't want to be so hubristic as to assume that the human species is meant to continue. The earth will. It Mm is mighty. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But the humbling feature of all of this is that we are, as you described at this really pivotal juncture, 
of mm. birth on earth, mm. birth contractions of which may or may not undo us, mm. depending on how swiftly and consciously and conscientiously we want to rise to the occasion and address this. I suppose what I'm thinking of the, the inevitability is that where there is the deepest entropy, there is the potential for the greatest entropy. I think that's all I mean. I totally yeah. resonate with you in terms of our attachment or non-attachment to whether the human species will actually come through this in, in its present form. Greg Braden's portrayal of the last five advanced civilizations, they always come to this point of the, the, the duality collision, isn't it? It's like that, <laughs> it's that the issue with duality. And I suppose what I'm hearing from you, what I'm hearing from your beautiful and inspired global project and initiative and vision is that you are inviting people to really descend through the medium of joy of play of the arts of theater of the inner life of the music of the inner life and how all these things can come together in a more conscious compassionate way to give humanity at least a massive chance and opportunity to go somewhere perhaps that we've never been we've never managed to transform this dilemma of this kind of obsession with the dualistic way of, of communicating and uh, resolving conflicts, which is largely requires violent conflict as opposed to nonviolent conflict or as, as opposed to transformative realization of who we really are. Exactly, Chloe. And so also so beautifully expressed. And when you mentioned this duality, and I adore Greg. Greg is also on our Synchronistry's Angel Network. God knows he's an angel. <laughs> I'm going to do another play on words. Duality has prompted a duality, a duel. So what Synchronistry indeed hopes to do is create an absolutely out-of-this-world, uh, just mind-blowing experience we have to in other words to try to take the wisdom of the ancients from conceptuality to actuality to experientiality because there are fabulous books and films and songs and and conversations and conferences that are bursting all around the world and have been for ever so long but it needs to filter down and Mm. uh i think as media mogul Mary Poppins would say a spoonful of is helps the healing get down. <laughs> so we want to offer an unusual new flavor on the menu of life. And then if the world wants to blow itself to smithereens after that, fine, but taste something different. Just mm-hmm. so you know the stale, perhaps the stale flavor of what we've been imbibing for ad infinitum. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Well, that is a very powerful moment, probably, for us to just complete this conversation. (laughs) Uh, And I'm just so grateful to you. What I'm most loving and most inspired by is the way that you are stretching and reinventing language in such a way as to help us through the playfulness and lightness of your being to really hear ourselves and to start communicating in new, much more inventive ways that if we can restore and remember that childlike innocence of communication you know there's a chance also that this new time of this 
catalytic moment and opportunity for us to wake up at a whole new level of consciousness. And may we, through our respective practices and our respective initiatives, really access continually the presence of compassion within the creative and the contemplative field of our work together. I'm just so grateful you exist. (laughs) Your work to date and your future work with Synchronistry, where would people find that most easily? Absolutely. Go to our website, which is synchronistry.com. Thank you, Carl Jung, for the word synchronicity. Just move the city and replace it with a story, and you have the word synchronistory.com. Thank you so much for opening the door on Synchronistry. Thank you so very much, and to your listeners as well. Do you hear that sound?